Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. This morning on The Wake Up Call with KB and Andy. Yeah, slow and steady this morning. It's uh, rainy. It's wet. Chris, we don't we don't know exactly totally what it is. We don't have any windows anymore, but we think what what's going on? Oh, sorry, my phone. My phone was making a Harry Potter noise. I'm not exactly sure what was going on with that. No, you should have. It's uh, fine. Got accepted to Gryffindor. Is that what happened? That's Slytherin. That's what it was. That's exactly what. <laughs> that's exactly what it was. Uh, slow and steady, though. Slow and steady this morning. Uh, it's not freezing. Not, not freezing the ice rain that we thought. No, we thought it was going to be ice. Not the ice that we thought, but still rainy, puddled areas, if you will. Don't hydroplane. Take it slow, uh, and you'll get to where you need to get to. Big news coming out. I guess it's Sporting World, not entertaining. Monday Night Raw going to Netflix in 2025. At least 400 mil per year to do that. So Ten I think your deal. Yeah, I think Mark Dykta might be happy with that. So that's well, now you're paying for your pro wrestling. So that's that's gonna be a lot of you know Do you have Netflix? We do, yeah. Yeah. I but I, still it's expensive. I said it's you guys during the break. I think it'll be a decent chunk of that audience that that won't be very happy no, about it. Well no. but again I, this is the, I mean this is the domino effect, especially when you know Mark would probably agree with this. When you get in the kind of the second or third tier of of some sports uh, you're going to get this. A lot of streaming action here, I think, in the upcoming years. So, uh, to me, it's not the most shocking thing in the world. Uh, but, again, I think it will be a good chunk of that audience that isn't going to be oh, yeah. too happy about yeah, it. Yeah, IU and Purdue, you know, I mean, you're you're an Irish fan. You have a little peacock action. Oh, yeah, that's going to pick up in the next few years. Don't worry about that. You're going to have to have all these different services. Uh, it is the way that it is. Rick Carlisle joins us in 20 minutes. I wanted to ask you something. And I want to ask you two questions as we just do a little football talk here. Is that okay with you, KB? A two-questioner for Kevin Bowen, and we can discuss it. You know, I got thinking, you know, when a team makes when a team makes a run at all, sometimes they can simply make the postseason uh, and people will love all over them. If they're a new team, and of course I'm thinking of the Houston Texans, you know, they lost the other night, and quite frankly, in that second half, they got blown out, and the and the offense didn't do anything. As great as C.J. Stroud is, they had 10 points, and seven of the points came on a punt return. Uh, so quite literally, C.J. Stroud didn't get his team into the end zone. It didn't really have, like, all of his over-unders. I think all of them were under uh, for that game, but Houston... And rightfully so with, uh, you know, what they have around the quarterback. And, of course, they have the quarterback and people really respect, and I get it, D'Amico Ryans, that that they are an it team. And, and you know, a couple years ago even, Jacksonville was an it team and they had built up to where, you know, a lot of people thought. We mentioned Peter King going into this past season, had them in the AFC Championship. Other teams, they make the postseason. If you think of, you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers, perhaps maybe the Rams. And I don't know if we feel like they have too much staying power. So teams are evaluated differently when they get in uh, to the postseason. Tampa is probably one of them. I mean, if Bill Belichick goes to the Atlanta Falcons, probably people are going to pick them and not Tampa Bay to make the postseason. The reason I bring it up is, and I have two questions for you. If the Colts would have made it this year, do you think they would have been talked about much like the Houston Texans. And I'm using the Texans because the Texans are now 
absolutely one of the it teams and them being blasted the other night in the second half by Baltimore really didn't affect the way people, you know, kind of felt about them after their season. And I believe next year they will absolutely be a hot pick to be back in the postseason and how maybe even win the AFC South. So that would be one question is, well, how would the Colts be viewed if, if they would have made it? Number two. You know, some of these teams we like and some of these teams we adore and some of these teams we cast aside. Who do you think, KB, they're going to be four or five teams that don't make the playoffs from this group that made the playoffs this year? Uh, You know, I mean, you look at a Pittsburgh, you know they're going to win nine games with Mike Tomlin. Is that good enough? I go back to Houston. I go to the Green Bay Packers. Do we believe the Packers are going to keep this going with a young quarterback (laughs) and everything else? So I wanted to throw those two things your way. One Colts one, and then are there any of these teams you look at and you say, it's nice what they're doing this season, but the numbers tell us that four or five of these teams won't be back in this position next year. They yeah, won't. you could probably throw Cleveland into that group as well. You know, obviously Flacco was huge for them. I, I'm not sold on Deshaun Watson all of a sudden finding it again. But I'll I'll start with the first one. I, you know, I think a lot of it would depend on if the Colts made it with Gardner Minshew. I, you know, that's a lot different than C.J. Stroud in, in terms of hype and how you would look at it. You know, one thing that I, I feel is different about Houston and I, I still think um, people are going to be very high on the Colts entering next year, even with them not making the playoffs. But I think one thing that is different about Houston is they've got a little bit more foundational limestone than I think the Colts do. And by that, I mean this. I like that foundational limestone. At quarterback, at wideout, at left tackle, at pass rusher, and at corner, they've got a dude. And the Colts can't say that at all five of those spots. And I think that is so critical to the overall success. You could probably make the case, Andy. The Colts have overall better talent, 1-53, to if you really want to look well, at it like that. Well, their offensive line is sure better. The Colts probably have a little bit more Texans. balance. But right. again, those premium positions, to me, they just matter more. I mean, hell, you saw it in the season finale. They had a quarterback, and they had a wideout that were two just flat-out dudes. And that's why they moved on and won that game, and you did not. And obviously, the Richardson injury certainly plays into that. So... Uh, again, Houston's still got to do a lot to continue to support C.J. Stroud and you know make sure that their overall depth is pretty good. And I would say one thing too, Andy, that is important to note, and we'll see how the rest of this coaching cycle plays out. I mentioned earlier in the show, Jim Bob Cooter, Colts offensive coordinator. Hell, I don't even know if a lot of our listening audience knows he's the offensive coordinator. Maybe because he's got the wild name. That's the only reason why they even know that. But Do you he- wish that were your name? Would that be good for uh, your radio career if you're Jim Bob Cooter? Until I think about seventh grade and eighth grade and ninth grade and think back to Well, I think you know. it's I think it's the finest name in football. I would contend somebody come up with a better football name than Jim Bob Cooter. I do like Jim Bob. Um but Andy The morning coot. That could be morning coot and Kevin. Uh, e- easy now. I was told no no peacock jokes, so you need to watch I, yourself. Not peacock over there. Joke. What are you talking uh, about? When his name, whatever, came out, what was it, over the weekend? Was, yeah, I think it was a couple it was. days ago. It was over the weekend. Nick Sirianni's making sure, coaching staff sure. changes. Look out for the name Jim Bob Look Cooter. Out Jim Bob Cooter, who was a consultant in Philly a couple years ago. Obviously, he'd go there. He'd call the plays, theoretically, is the thought there. Andy, I, I this is not probably the right thing to say, but there's almost an element from some Colts fans, and, and I, I might be with them that I'm kind of like, do I care that much? And that's, that's so harsh to say, I feel like. But I say that for this. 
The Texans right now are not thinking that about their offensive coordinator and his name being rumored mm-hmm. in some of these head coaching searches. Bobby Slowick calls the plays right. in Houston. Well, he gets a he, lot of credit it, for that offense. He's there, Gus Bradley. Sure. And by that, I mean the head coach of the football team has said, you handle that side of the ball. It's your baby. You're the guy. That is a huge, huge responsibility and job when you've got the young rookie quarterback. It's probably why Tennessee is opting to go for an offensive head coach in Brian Callahan for Will Levis. Well, I'd argue, away I'd argue from, it's more important than some of the stuff the head coach is doing, friend, quite and frankly. that's why I look back to this time last year and think, this is why the Shane Steichen hire, among many things, was so important to make sure that you now have stability with Anthony Richardson for X amount of years. Because it, it really, the Richardson era is going to be the Steichen era. They, they are, in all likelihood, going to be hand-in-hand. Hand. You know, Mark's dealing with it right now with the Bears. Of They've got a defensive-minded head coach, and for different reasons, they're struggling to find stability at offensive coordinator. Houston is going to have that question. If Bobby Slowick keeps his job this year, they're going to have it next year um, if he doesn't get a head coaching hire right now. So I say all that to say Houston has the better foundational pieces at the critical spots than Indy. But if all of a sudden Slowick leaves, now CJ Stroud doesn't need gobs and gobs of development. I don't want to act like he's some major project. But the coordinators clearly. do matter. They absolutely, matters. yeah, they do matter. What matters in Detroit, too? And they could lose Aaron Glenn and Ben Johnson. And Andy, this could become a routine thing. If Stroud in Houston continues to have success, that job could almost be like how the Ravens defensive coordinator used to be. Chuck Pagano was one of these guys that you just rise to the top and then boom, we make a deep playoff run. You go get a head coaching gig. That could be a play here in Houston. So I do think that's one difference from the two where I feel better about the Colts situation. You don't have to worry about that. Jim Bob Cooter can come and go. And sure, it might be a notable loss. I might be underestimating it. It might be Nick Sirianni leaving here under Frank Reich and you don't really feel that until it's a couple years later, but I think Shane Steichen's presence is absolutely, absolutely massive and a big difference from Houston. Rick Carlisle going to join us in about 15 minutes here on The Fan. Uh, Tyler DeSena, I did not know him, put out a tweet last night. I saw this get some traction on what you're saying, and I'm believing him. I went through several teams in my mind. With the Bengals needing to replace Brian Callahan, again, Brian Callahan last night, has become now the Texans, or not the Texans, the Titans head coach, okay? He was the Bengals' OC. With the Bengals needing to replace Callahan, this means that every team in the NFL has changed their offensive coordinator since the 2022 offseason. Since the 2022 offseason, every team yeah. has has altered, and that can be, you know, the Bills fired Ken Dorsey, the Colts had a... Uh, a changing of the guard, income Shane Steichen. Uh, it's just interesting. I mean, think about that. Since the 2022 offseason, every yeah, team in years, the NFL right. has uh, has moved has moved on because I, every owner either wants you or the owner or you get there fired. And say, why haven't you got it figured out with you know our young quarterback or you know like you said in Josh Allen's case, quarterback there. It, it's interesting that you bring that up with Jim Bob Cooter because I you know I wrote down knowing that we were going to talk about it because it it's still you know, it is a loss and, you know, truly given that, you know, I always view it this way when a coach and it doesn't matter if it's offense or defense, for instance, Todd Bowles calls the defensive plays in Tampa Bay. 
Okay, he's got the sheet in front of him. Uh, we know in you know here in Indy, we know Shane Steichen is calling the plays. We know what last year, or the year before, how that was a big deal. Like in Kansas City, remember when Andy Reid gave the um, the Waffle House sheet over to Eric Bieniemy, and that was such a big deal as well. When a coach, when a head coach is calling their offense or their defense, I automatically don't care as much about the coordinator. And it's probably a little unfair. And, and it's, it's No, it's totally unfair, but that's how I always right. view it, whether it's, again, Todd Bowles in Tampa Bay or it's what's going on with Shane Steichen here in Indianapolis. And, you know, for whatever, the 50-some Colts practices I attended this year, I mean, Shane Steichen is watching that quarterback position every single time we are out there. I mean, it is, you know, it's not like he's... Whatever. Let me let me go run over and see how the linebackers are going through their respective drills today. Uh, that watchful eye is the one that matters more than anything else. I do want to go back to that Brock Bowers thing. Again, yesterday, um, posted a mock draft look to our website. Brock Bowers was a guy that several of these, you know, mock draft people think of Dane Brugler and you know ESPN's Jordan Reed and some of these guys. Daniel Jeremiah from NFL Network had Bowers falling to 15 and the Colts taking him at 15. Andy, the final four teams. In the playoffs, Travis Kelsey, Sam Laporta, Mark Andrews, George Kittle. I think you would label all of them as very good to elite tight ends in this league. Travis Kelsey, 63rd overall pick. Sam Laporta, 34 overall pick. Mark Andrews, 86. George Kittle, 146. Should that matter in debating Brock Bowers at 15? <laughs> I listen. Is fifteen too early or too rich? Yeah, it for is. A tight end. It, it probably is. Is Brock Bowers it, unique enough it, he, to merit that? Uh, he probably is. Let me ask you this: Detroit got over the hump by taking guys. You know, you mentioned Laporta being thirty-four. Jamar Gibbs was a running back. I think they took it twelve, but it got them over the hump. Do you feel like there is something again, and that's coming off a year? Remember, two years. Remember, not this past season. Last year, the Lions did not make the playoffs. They just knocked Aaron Rodgers out, which was a fantastic thing. Remember, they did not make the postseason. They were the it team. They come back this year. They have the big draft. They have the big offseason. They beat Kansas City. What was it, Week One? Uh, and we're off and running. But they took positions that everyone felt it was too early. They did so though, f- thinking, "Hey, we need a dynamic running back, and we need something at tight end." Do the Colts feel that way? My question for you would be. Is that something Chris Ballard would do? I because yeah. I, I, I would look at the pre the more premium positions like a corner. When when I think of what the Colts are going to do, I yeah, kind of think it might be something Anthony, that doesn't turn you on. Is a weapon for Anthony Richardson premium? I, I I would argue it should be, and it is. And again, I think edge rusher, the scarcity of that position, still is one that needs to be uh, have the utmost importance when you're talking about that. Um, but to your point, I also think this. I mean, the Colts have kind of invested a decent amount at tight end. I know a lot of people might not think that, but look back at the last three drafts. They've taken one in the third round. They've taken one in the fourth round. They've taken one in the fifth round yep. and the sixth round. If you look at tight end positions around the league, a lot of teams would say that's a significant investment at a position that I don't think a lot of people would hold in that regard. So when you look at it like that, it's like, okay, none of these guys are free agents. Do the Colts say, no, 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 another year of development? Or do they say no one emerged, enough is enough, if you get a guy that, again, a lot of people don't say, don't just label him a tight end, he's more than that. If he's there at 15, this is support for Anthony Richardson. Would you rather have a wide receiver there or Bowers? 
If I if, um, if I'm Ballard and I said, okay, KB, I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you one of these weapons that you keep harping on the radio. About. I'm gonna give you one of these weapons for Anthony Richardson. And we mentioned like a Brian Thomas from LSU. I mean, their names out there. People aren't gonna know every single yeah. you know SEC you know second wide receiver. But Keon Coleman probably not there. Bowers. Marvin Harrison not there. Obviously, yeah, I, I'd probably say Bowers. Okay, but I I could be you could be persuaded. Mm-hmm. Okay, certainly. Certainly. Yeah, I, I just I feel like they're not going to draft Bowers. We have many months to break this down. But if they did, you know, people love the sexy pick, and he would be a sexy pick. He would. The debut, the home debut of Pascal Siakam, the defending champs in town. It's a long injury report. Rick Carlisle joins us next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Hour number two, 8 o'clock hour, hanging out with you, KB and Andy. It's the Wake Up Call, broadcasting live from the drivehubler.com studios. We're still checking uh, at WIBC. Uh, obviously, schools, some on delay. There are some issues on the road, but keep it slow and steady this morning with the, rays, uh, with the rain and then the freezing rain and everything else. So we'll get you covered uh, if any issues on the road this morning. Reminder as well, Pacers back in action tonight, 7 o'clock tip-off, 6.30, our coverage between Denver and Indiana right here on the fan. And to talk about that and everything else, Pacers, the head coach joins us, Rick Carlisle, here, 8 o'clock hour every single Tuesday, and he does so on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Coach, good morning. Thanks so much for joining us. How are you? I'm well. How are you guys doing? Uh, we are doing uh, fantastic. Uh, while you were out, while you were on the West Coast, it was one degree here. <laughs> it was negative. Uh, no, I, it was brutal. Coach. I heard it was. I heard it was brutal. <laughs> it was. It wasn't good. It absolutely was brutal. But let's dive into tonight's game and obviously uh, the season. Pascal Siakam picked up uh, just a few days ago. I guess let's start there, if you don't mind, and we'll dive into some other things. Uh, what was your excitement? The excitement around the team when you guys were able to lock in that trade and just a couple games in, a couple walkthroughs in for you. What have you learned about Pascal Siakam and his game that maybe you didn't know? Well, we love him. He's uh, very versatile. He's a great guy. Um, He's a sponge for new information and any way he can possibly get to know his teammates better. Um, You know, we still have not had we still have not had a walkthrough with him. Um, you know, he got, he got in late, late the night that we arrived in Portland from Sacramento. Uh, that was a back-to-back of course. So there's no walkthrough there. And then, um, you know, the following day we, we took the, uh, the whole team went to Tucson for Ben Matherin's, uh, ring of honor induction. And when we arrived in Tucson, um, you know, part of the, uh, pretty significant portion of the travel party was not going to attend. Uh, we only had 30 tickets, I think, to the game. And we had 30 people that went, so half the people went to the hotel, and then the other half stayed for the first half of the game, watched the ceremony at halftime, and then jumped in the bus. And so we had a two-hour bus ride from Tucson to Phoenix, and then an early game on um, on Sunday. So uh, anything that's before 
seven o'clock almost always does not result in a walkthrough. So we, we've had a couple of meetings with him, um, but no real time on the floor. Uh, all that said, you know, he's uh, absorbed things very well. Uh, I think he's scoring 18, 19 points a game and, and doing a lot of good things. And you can see from, uh, from what, uh, from what we've seen in the games that he's going to, he's going to help us. Rick, what were your um, impressions of him prior to his his arrival? I'm always curious about, like, is it just strictly what you see on the court? Did you have conversations with him during the draft process at all? But um, I guess from afar, uh, what, what were your impressions of him, not only on the floor, but if you heard anything off the floor about him before uh, the trade happened? I'd heard a lot of great things about him, um, both on and off. You know, Dwayne Casey coached him for – many years in Toronto. So Dwayne was an assistant of mine in Dallas um, for three years. And um, the word that, you know, struck, uh, struck a chord with me is versatility. Um, You know, he's a six, nine um, starting power forward in the NBA who can handle it. He can shoot it. He can score at all three levels. He can post up, um, he can facilitate, and he's a uh, very good defender with length. So, uh, and, his re- and he rebounds well. So he can do a lot. Of, he can do a lot of things that are, are very important in today's game, and, and certainly important for us. So, um, and Dwayne always, you know, Dwayne always talked about what a great kid he was. You know, he was he was drafted late in the first round, back I think in six, sixteen, and so you know he he's done it the hard way. He's uh, paid his dues. He played. He played a lot of games in the in the in the D League before it, uh, I think, turned into the G League. And you know, it's a it's a great story of of, of perseverance. You know, and and you know, that's a pretty pretty talented Toronto team. And he went from being a, a guy that was a a part time roster guy um, to you know, obviously a full time roster guy, and then being one of the guys that was. Uh, was a support player. Um, and he's actually more than a support player for uh, Toronto when they won the championship with Kawhi Leonard. So uh, you like the fact that he's had to earn everything that he's gotten. I mean, I think that shows a lot about his character. Uh, we're thrilled to have him here and uh, looking forward to getting going tonight with our fans uh, in Cambridge. Rick Carlisle with us here on the fan on this Tuesday on the pay less liquors hotline. I'll ask this about him just because it's been talked about and you would actually know the answer. And I know you'll learn more about Siakam as you go, but so it's easy for the untrained guys like me, you know, you look at his offense, he can score at three different levels, 22 a game and everything like that. Um, Defensively. I know you've stressed so much this season is, you know, being better on defense. You've talked about it after certain games. Portland was one of those games defensively. What is he going to do to help you guys out, do you think? Well, again, I, I think his versatility is is a very important thing. So he's, you know, we started the Houston, uh, excuse me, the uh, Phoenix game, and we decided to put him on Devin Booker so that there would be more length on Booker. And we decided to put Neesmith on Durant to get um, a little different kind of guy on Durant, a stronger guy that um, – could maybe get into him just a little bit more with a little more physical element. And so, you know, uh, Pascal did, uh, did a good job on Booker. And then, then eventually he guarded, you know, half the roster before the night was over. So, um, 
you know, we're going to, we're going to learn more about him as we, as we keep going through this, but like his aptitude for this game, he's got a, a real intellectual curiosity uh, about the game and he loves to play. And so, uh, you know, he's, uh, I know he's very happy to be here and, and very happy to get going again tonight uh, at home. It's a defending champs in town, Pacers home after a long road trip. It'll be four straight at home, really a loaded week again for the Pacers here uh, as they take on the Nuggets starting tonight. Rick, I think I heard Chris Tenary correct the other night, 10 straight games with a different starting lineup. You haven't had back-to-back starting lineups in 10 games. Is that? Can you even recall in your how long it's been since you've had that as a head coach with so many different starting lineups now dating back to, I guess, the early parts of January? Yeah, I mean, it does happen in some years. You know, some years you have very, very few, and it's just very consistent. But I remember the, you know, the the Palace Brawl year. We had thirty-one different starting lineups, oh, wow. and for for obvious reasons, I mean, we had a lot of guys that were in and out of the lineup, and and with different things going on with suspensions and so on and so forth, but. You know, whatever whatever the case is, um, when when there is the need for change, there is an opportunity that's facilitated. So, um, you know, in the in the Sacramento game, we had a you know a different a different lineup. In the Portland, we had a different lineup, and then we had another different lineup last night. And so, um, with that said, and sort of on this conversation, I'm going to get. Uh, make another announcement here more breaking news for this thrilling show that we've got going here Thank you. um Thank you okay let's go is, uh, yeah and that is that uh tyrese came back for the uh the portland game uh did well in the game but we uh you know our training staff wasn't wasn't comfortable with how he responded to that and so um you know, we obviously sat him in the in the Phoenix game. We're gonna we're gonna sit him for uh, the next three games. So that'll be tonight. Uh, it'll be Thursday, Friday against um, Philadelphia and Phoenix, uh, respectively. And then uh, we'll see where he's at on Saturday, uh, and whether whether or not uh, Sunday against Memphis will be a possibility. But this is not a re-injury. This is just simply. <laughs> you know, injury recovery management type stuff. And, um, and so, you know, tonight's lineup may, may again look different. Uh, Andrew Nemhard going to give it a go tonight, coach. Well, he played last game and I haven't, I've, I've, I've not heard that he will be unavailable, but you know, it's only eight, 10 in the morning. So, um, so we'll see. And, um, you know, and, and 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 if not, then you know we'll we'll figure it out. You know, we've got uh, you know we have we have McConnell. We have a lot of different things that we can we can do. We've had other guys uh, playing point. You know, in the Sacramento game, we had uh, you know we had Shepard and 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 Heald playing some point, and and uh, and Jarris Walker handles the ball a little bit too, and so and Siakam can handle the ball, and that's another thing we like about him. So. Uh, so we'll see, but um, you know it'll be disappointing news for our fans that want to see Tyrese out there. Uh, on the one hand, but on the other hand, this is not bad news. This is just you know this is just us making sure that we get him back the right way. Do you feel like in your conversations with your training staff that 
you know, sitting in for these three games, you potentially can kind of take care of it now and then whatever. When you get into more back-to-backs or you start to get in the stretch run, maybe the, that maintenance or management of the injury, to use the word that you used, uh, will not be there later in the season? Well, that's certainly, uh, that's certainly the plan. Um, but, you know, you know, Mother Nature can be. I mean, it's, uh, you never know with these things. And um, the, news, the news early when the injury first happened – was very very positive um you know but he had trouble he was not (laughs) he was he was walking with a limp for three days and then responded very well and then um you know and then it's we just we just are 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 right now where we are he's not limping or anything now he's he's um and i and i don't want to get into too long a discussion about it because he's doing well um but we need to make sure that um he comes out of this exactly the way he needs to come out of it, and three games over the course of a of a career that's going to be, you know, hopefully, um, well beyond ten more years with with the Pacers. If you look at, you know, Reggie Miller, he was here eighteen years. Uh, an additional three games is um, is is nothing. So we'll uh, we'll do that. There will be an opportunity for for someone else to step forward and. Uh, you know, we got the defending champs coming in here, so uh, there'll be a lot going on. Again, three the next three games. Rick Carlisle here with us on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Halliburton will be out the next three. That would be tonight against Denver, Thursday against Philly, and then Friday against Phoenix. Coach, just as an aside, did you see that Joel Embiid had 70 points last night? Did you happen to see that? I did see that. I didn't see the game, but I, I did. You know, when you like these days when you um, – if you own a phone, which everybody does, you know, you get these alerts and you got him with 70 and you got towns with 62, I guess. Yeah. And, I mean, you can't, <laughs> pretty it's good. almost impossible not to find out about yeah. stuff like that. It's pretty good. Rick Carlisle with us. I want to ask you this, uh, whether it be, you know, I know I'm singling these two guys out and not trying to tie them at the hip, but Ben Shepard and Jairus Walker have got that playing time, you know, with uh, injuries and with them, uh, you know, getting better in your system and everything else. Those guys have played. Jairus Walker uh, has looked confident with his shot. Ben Shepard really like his game. How have those guys grown up here in the last few weeks and uh, rotation wise, what have they started to earn in your uh, opinion? Well, you said the key word and that is earn and, um, you know, developing a a championship culture um, means that things have to be based on merit and no one is just given anything. And as I mentioned a couple of moments ago, that's one of the things that I, I really admire about um, Pascal Siakam's career is that, you know, he, he started out in the G League and and worked his way up and, and and carved his way into the league as a, you know, as a major player who's now a multiple all-star and multiple all-league guy. And so in the case of Shepard and Walker, um, these guys have been putting in the work. Uh, they've been putting in the work in, in training camp, you know, before practice, after practice, uh, G League assignments, G League games. You know, they played they had one game where they played in Sioux Falls, and uh, you know, so those those aren't easy trips. Um, a lot of the games have been home games at, at Cambridge, um, but they are doing it the way um, that you need to do it, and that is um, by putting the work in, studying game film. Um, and toiling through, you know, some of the stuff where you're 
playing in the minor leagues. So um, that's really great. Um, they've both shown signs of, of being guys that can obviously help us now and in the future. And so, um, you know, we'll, uh, we'll keep a close eye on, on our situation and, and see where they fit in tonight, uh, Thursday and Friday. Coach, last one for me, and as always, thank you for the time. Again, Rick Carlisle is with us here. Uh, Nikola Jokic tonight, Joel Embiid Thursday. Uh, obviously, goes without saying where those two are in terms of the best players in the NBA. I'm curious, like they are two big dudes, but I, I, just labeling that would probably be unfair to both of them. Uh, are the matchups similar in any way, shape, or form? Are, are, are they immensely different? What is it like preparing for Jokic and then two nights later for Embiid? Yeah, that's a good question. It's it is similar. Um, both of these guys are are very big and and very strong. I think uh, I think Embiid's a little a little taller than Jokic and and uh, and and bigger, you know. So, but the thing that they share is they both have amazing an amazing touch, an amazing feel for the game, an amazing aptitude for the game, <laughs> and they both make the game look very easy with uh with how they play and so <clears throat> pardon me but I, if the next question is which one's easier to play against <laughs> you know, i mean you can, you can forget about me giving you any kind of you know answer for that i mean i'm not that's not going to turn into any kind of clickbait i can promise you in the next you know three days because you know they're both just you know they're both hellacious i mean and as a as a pure basketball fan, as you know, you two guys are, I'm sure, and that I am. I mean, you watch these two guys, and you just you just marvel at the skill level um, and the touch. Really, I mean, Embiid is just you know he, on a 16, 18 foot shot. I mean, there's some nights where he'll he'll make ten in a row, and it just it just looks like a routine thing, and. And then Jokic does the same thing, but but he'll he'll hit him coming down the lane, shooting him off the wrong foot, you know, with the ball back back behind his head a little bit. But it's just it's just amazing the aptitude um, and the skill level that these guys have, and uh, they're both obviously um, winners. So it'll be a great uh, it'll be a great treat for our fans, you know, to see this kind of talent coming into Cambridge. And then you know, on the third night, you've got you know, you've got Durant, you've got Booker, and and you got Bradley Beal, so a uh, a battering ram, as they would say, of, of of talent coming our way. Certainly, it is quite the week back home here in Indy. Uh, Coach, thanks for the time this morning. Appreciate you sharing the news on the Hallib- Halliburton front. Uh, good luck this week, and uh, we'll chat. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Next Tuesday. All right, we'll talk some Colts. George Bremer going to join us here in just a few mi- uh, moments. I don't think I've... I've spoken to him on the phone, so I'm excited to do that. Obviously, the big news, if you're just joining us this morning at at about 10 after 8, Rick Carlisle, we have him on every Tuesday, did break the news here on the show that Tyrese Halliburton is set to miss the next three games. So Tyrese Halliburton, again, will be out tonight against Denver. He will be out Thursday against the 76ers and will be out Friday against Phoenix. I think both of us figured... 
maybe that Phoenix game, you wouldn't see him on a back-to-back coming off the hammy injury uh, anyway. But uh, the mood, a little bit depressed. Kind of a dark studio today. It is a bit of a dark Turn the lights studio. On. Let's head to the Payless Slickers hotline, though. Some Colts conversation with George Bremer, Anderson, Harold Bolts. And George, first off, apologies for getting to you so late. Did not expect Rick Carlisle to share that news with us in regards to Tyrese Halliburton. I want to go back, if you don't mind, George, a couple weeks to Chris Ballard's end-of-season presser. There was one thing I walked away from that I was kind of surprised that Ballard said, but I want to toss that question to you first. Anything Ballard-related, end-of-season presser, that maybe raised your eyebrows before I mention mine to you? I don't know You know if, if anything really caught me completely off guard. I think the one thing that I really walked away with was you know, they want to add explosive players. I don't know how many times he mentioned that during that hour or so that, that we talked, uh, probably five or six. And I think that he means both sides of the ball. I, mean, I think everybody reads that as receivers, and that's certainly going to be a need. Uh, but he he kept mentioning they need playmakers on defense too. So, you know, I, I think they're going to be looking for – You, know, I, my big question is, is that coming free agency? Is it something that they're looking at, you know, more from the draft? But it does seem like that is the, the overall philosophy heading into this offseason. Okay, so the item for me that I kind of raised my eyebrows out was him admitting how, um, I don't know if confident is the right word, if I'm paraphrasing there, but how confident he is in Anthony Richardson as a passer exiting this rookie season. You know, obviously a limited sample size, George, you know, 170-some snaps. And I do think Richardson had some really nice moments as a passer. But for Ballard to say that publicly, while he also is, you know, very <laughs> frequent to mention, let's not crown him yet, you know, let's not let's not build the statue. That was, I thought, an interesting kind of public admittance from the GM there. Absolutely. I mean, off of four games and, and only one complete game and I don't know how many pass attempts, but it wasn't, you know, anywhere near uh, the, the sample size that they wanted to see this year. But I think that tells you uh, how much faith that, that Richardson put in this franchise over the offseason. You know, the work that he did in training camp, the work he did in the spring, I think they really felt like he was ahead of, of where they expected him to be. And that's going forward. I think that's probably one of the reasons for optimism the biggest reason for optimism with this franchise is they believe if he can stay healthy he's going to be able to hurt people multiple ways you know under center and i think they want to be more like buffalo than baltimore we've talked about that you know a few times in the media room baltimore is like a run for run first offense and it works extremely well for them with johnson taylor there's definitely going to be that kind of element there but i do think that they're going to be more of a when you look at the way Shane Sykin has called games and in his past, they want to be more of a pass-first team. And I think they feel like Ballard's kind of saying right there, they feel like they've got the quarterback who can make that happen for them. George Bremer with us here on the Payless Lickers Hotline following the Colts there in Anderson for the Herald Bulletin. Uh, several different ways we could go, but I'll ask you this just because we've kicked it around and KB was was kind of dancing around it there. Um, the 15th overall pick, I mean, we have seen everything from corner to wide receiver to Brock Bowers, obviously the weapon slash tight end out of Georgia. Is, is there a position and or player right now that you would like to see the Colts get at 15? I understand it's very early early still in the evaluation process. Yeah, you know, obviously really early. I think if Bowers fell there, that would be sort of a dream scenario. All the things you can imagine Shane Sykin could do with him and the ways that he could impact this game. But 
I don't know if there's really one position. For me, it's more just the passing game in, in general, whatever that means. If it's a wide receiver, if it's a tight end, uh, if it's a pass rusher, if it's a coverage linebacker, I don't think it really matters where that comes. But I, they, they feel like they're they're pretty strong on both sides of the ball in the run game. You know, they've shown that they can run it uh, really well. They've shown they can stop the run. I think they need to find ways stop the pass better and, and to throw the ball better. And so I don't think it matters which position, just which guy out there when you're picking a 15 can impact the pass game the most. That that, that should be the focus in my eyes. George, uh, George Bremer's with us here, Anderson Harold Bolton, longtime cover of the Colts. Do you think 15 would be too rich in Chris Ballard's eyes to take a tight end in Brock Bowers? We've seen him before not really give that much importance to, to positional you know value. So I think a guy like Bowers in, in Steichen's offense, I don't think I don't think that that uh, Ballard would really hesitate there. We saw him take a guard at six. We've seen him, you know, kind of throw a lot of that that out the window. So Bowers, I think, is a special kind of player just because yeah, he's a tight end by by name, but there's so many things you can do with him. So many different ways you can line him up. I think you know any offense in the league would would benefit greatly adding a weapon like that. I guess kind of off that, George, how do you think Chris views tight end? I mean, he's drafted them. I was saying to Andy a little bit earlier in the 8 o'clock hour, he's drafted them you know, round three, round four, round five, round six, if you look at the last you know trio of drafts. So he spent something of note on that position. I can't recall him really mentioning that position by name a couple weeks ago and saying you know he needs to see massive improvements there or anything along those lines. Um how do you think, I guess, he kind of views tight end in regards to his own team, considering on paper there's no free agents? We'll see, obviously, you know what the future holds for Drew Ogletree or even a Mo Alley-Cox. Yeah, it does feel a little bit less stable than you would think because there aren't free agents. But like you said, Mo Alley-Cox, you know, has been around for a long time, uh, made some big plays for the team this year, but you just you never know what his future is going to be. And obviously the Ogletree situation, uh, nobody wants to, to deal with that at any point, uh, anywhere in the league. That's something that, you know, the legal process has got to play out and who knows where, where he lands. And even Jelani Woods, who ended up missing this entire season with, with multiple hamstring injuries, uh, you know, is a guy that I think they feel really good about uh, if they can get him back out there on the field. But, if you look historically, Ballard's not put a whole lot of, of assets into that position. You mentioned where they've drafted guys. They haven't really gone out in free agency and brought anybody in. I guess Eric Ebron was probably the one, quote-unquote, big splash there. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how much impact Shane Steichen has here. When you look at De- Philly and how important Dallas Goddard was in, in that uh, offense. And, and then, you know, we're still kind of – trying to feel and, and find out how Steichen wants to build this offense in Indy. And I think his input this offseason could be really interesting. He got here, obviously, just got his feet wet last year. I know he was involved in the draft and free agency, but you got to figure, after having been here for a year, gone through a season, his voice is going to be much louder this year than it was a year ago. George Bremer with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline, part of the Anderson Harold Bolton. We appreciate him talking some Colts with us here uh, on this Tuesday. Free agent wise, boy, I can bring up Grover Stewart, Kenny Moore, uh, obviously Minshew, Pittman, many different ways, Blackman, many different ways we could go. Who are the top two or three guys that you think it just makes too much sense to bring them back and you think they will be back next season for the Colts? 
I think Pittman's right at the top of the list. I mean, obviously got a young quarterback. As Kevin just said, you're you're dealing with a guy that they feel like is is going to be a, a really you know dangerous passer. Uh, you've got to make sure he's supported. You got to give him his his number one receiver. And I would think that that at worst ends up with a franchise tag. I can't see them letting Pittman go uh, and spending that money on somebody from outside the organization who they don't know as well. Possible they just replace him with the first round pick, but you know then you're kind of asking a lot of uh, of your young quarterback. If you've got Pittman out there, you've got that security blanket. It just seems to make too much sense. The other guy, I think that just from some of the things that, that Ballard said in, in that postseason presser is Julian Blackman. I don't know if we've made enough of how important his communication was on the back end this year, really become kind of a leader in that secondary, had an outstanding year before he got injured. Uh, and safety market is generally not crazy. I don't know what the numbers will look like, but I think that's a deal that they would like to get done. And, and Blackman feels like a guy – uh, who probably wants to stay here. I think he really has, has enjoyed his time here and has become a really important part of that defense. George Bremer again with us here. Anderson Herald Bulletin. kind of, And I couldn't agree with you more on Blackman. I mean, hell, just pop in the Houston film if you need a reminder on him. Uh, last one from me, George. You've, you've you know heard Michael Pittman Jr. talk, and, you know, I would say pretty candidly about his contract situation. How do you think Pittman would handle being tagged franchise Tag wise, in, in, in regards to you know getting to training camp, if a long term deal was not there, I, I don't think I, I don't know I I don't know if we would get there. But how do you think Pittman would handle that? Yeah, you want to be careful after last year, right? Because uh, you watch how that Jonathan Taylor thing played out, and, and I know there was different circumstances there, and running back markets are different. Uh, but I think you've always got to be careful when you're dealing with a guy who you hope is going to be a, a key part of this franchise for for years to come. Uh, he wouldn't be, he wouldn't love it. There's no question about that. But you know, I think he said when we talked to him there after the season that look, twenty three million dollars is not something that that's you know going to be an albatross for you. Uh, and I think they would be working towards a long term deal. It'd be interesting if they get into the summer and, and you hit that deadline where you know the long term deal can't be signed uh he'd have some choices to make but he sounded to me like a guy who would play on it i don't think he'd love it i think everybody in the league would rather not have that happen and i don't think either party wants to go into the year with that as the only deal they do i think that if they tag him it would be with the idea of signing long term but that's definitely something we're going to keep an eye on all the way through uh until a you know a long-term deal is signed Four weeks from today is when the franchise tag can begin to be applied, and that's a two-week period uh, for the franchise tag, which hovers right around the combine leading into free agency after that. George, again, apologies, my man, on uh, having to push you back a little bit with the Carlisle news, but as always, enjoy your insight and hopefully the first of a couple conversations we can have this offseason. Hope the family's doing well. Yeah, you too, man. No problem. And uh, I'll always take a backseat to, to Tyrese Halliburton. No problem. <laughs> Team player. 